and welcome into another episode of the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. I'm Ben Mandel, and this week joined by Mikey D. No Tom Leone, as he is living it up in Italy right now. Hopefully, he so, stays in Italy. Yeah. Because, because since he's left, we got a series. Anyway, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, since Tom has gone to Italy, I was going to mention that. The Devils are 2-0 and against the Rangers. <laughs> stay so. in Italy, Tom. Stay in Italy. <laughs> he's got to stay. But um, we are going to jump right into it. We will get to the Devils and Rangers. Obviously, the two Devils fans here. We're going to talk about the Devils, especially after the last two games. But let's start with the other series going on right here in our backyards. The New York Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes, as it stands right now as we're recording this Wednesday night, this series is 3-2 to two in favor of Carolina. But the Islanders were able to have a strong game and come away with a win in game number five. They gave up a goal to make it 3-2, to two, but they were able to hold on win this game and put it away. Mikey D, do the Islanders have a shot here? Absolutely, they have a shot, Ben. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's actually a really good advantage. And if I was Carolina, I'd be nervous because obviously a lot of people, you know, including us, right? We're the ones who picked Islanders to to actually pull out this series because we feel like that it was a bad matchup for Carolina. And and uh, you know, game five yesterday, uh, we saw that. You know, we saw that where the Islanders were dominating. I thought they were dominant the whole game. Uh, Sorokin looked locked in. He looked like he, you know, for the most part, stole that game for the Islanders. Uh, for the most part, and and uh, you know, that's what makes the Islanders such a you know sneaky team because you know they have the great goaltending to do it and they got some of the veteran status to get things done so um you know that's what i really like about the islanders and i think that carolina should be a little nervous because obviously we're heading back to ubs arena you know the islanders you got home field advantage and that arena is rocking always so um you know this this the series could definitely get pushed to seven uh you know obviously any series you know anything could happen you know we've like we just said when we got on it look at our series that we're watching and our fandom for um but no definitely i think the islanders definitely got a shot this game uh the series I think is going to go seven like we all predicted. Um, I just don't know who's going to be the outcome of it. Uh, but Carolina, you know, it's it's better for the second round series and everything like that because we're going to get uh, game sixes and game sevens. Um, and these teams are going to definitely fight and be worn out. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, as it stands right now, it looks like every series is going to go at least six games as long as Florida is able to pull out the win here on Wednesday night while we are recording this Florida and Boston are playing and they the are, Panthers are leading. Yeah, they're yeah. leading one nothing, and they've had some chances. Definitely Boston doesn't look the same as they did down in Florida for those two games. Uh, we will get more into that one, though, as um, we talk about the Islanders, though. With their win in Game 5, now every single team this postseason has won a game on the road. That is unbelievable. It, it that is, is something you don't see. Mm-hmm. Every team is winning on the road. It shows the parity in the league and really just how good every team is, even these wild card teams that have squeaked in. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely impressive. It's something that you don't see, and I think that's what makes you know NHL playoffs you know top. You know, you know, people over overlooked, you know, the NHL playoffs. I mean, it's so interesting and and uh, it's very rare that you see in any type of playoffs and scenarios. Hope field advantage is a big thing. And, um, you know, in these playoffs, it honestly isn't. And, you know, if you look at most of these series, you know, it's any game on any given night. Um, and these arenas are rocking. These fans are rocking. They're ruthless. They're probably as big as any other fan bases uh, for any other leagues. And and the fact that these teams are, are gutting it out and pulling out wins, it's really cool to see, Ben. It, it really is. It's really awesome. And, you know, for a team like Florida, the playing the President Trophy winners, we, we were very impressed with them the first two games in Boston. 
definitely credit Boston for the way they were able to bounce back in Florida. But speaking of a team I was actually really impressed with, it's the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's not necessarily because they took a 3-1 series lead, but the fact that they won on the road. This has uh, been the biggest criticism for them. Now, Fair enough. they don't have to win another game on the road in this series. But if you, if you push it to seven and you let the Islanders win two in a row, all of a sudden the momentum's on their side. So definitely thinking that Carolina is going to want to have to put this away in six games here. Yeah, I feel like they kind of have to, right, Ben? Because, like, you see with all the injuries that they're dealing with, too. I mean, you know, they came into the playoffs with one of the biggest injuries, you know, the league that has had all season, especially Cobb going down. Um, and now they got even more injuries going on during this playoff series. So I feel like it's obviously – obviously it's not a must-win because they got another game games to afford uh but it, it's like not a must lose if that makes sense like i don't know how to explain it but no uh, no yeah. i completely get yeah. it they need the rest they need to rest they need to be able to you know see who they're playing sit down get ready for a next round you saw how crucial it was for carolina to you know play those seven games and then have to go play the rangers for seven especially the Islanders. This is a team that's going to beat you up. I think that that series is actually going to put uh, both of those teams as more beat up than the their opponent in the next round between the Devils and Rangers, even though that's been a very physical series. It's just yeah, the I way agree. Carolina and the Islanders play. Now we're mm-hmm. going to shift over to the next series and it's out West, the Winnipeg Jets and Vegas Golden Knights. Now Vegas has been taking care of business But Winnipeg, they were able to steal that first game. Mikey D, what are your thoughts on Winnipeg? I know it's it's one of those series that Vegas should just roll through, Mm -hmm. but they aren't necessarily doing it. I know they have a 3-1 series lead. Do they finish it up in five, or is this another series that goes six? I think it's definitely another series that goes six. I think that Winnipeg is uh they'll they'll be they'll they'll continue the trend. Obviously, I, I'm pretty sure it goes back to Vegas, right? Or am I wrong? Um, I, I think it does. Yes, this uh, yeah. game five will be in Vegas. Yeah, this game five will be in Vegas. I think they'll continue the trend and pull out a gritty win on the road. I mean, they got talent to do it. You know, they got Connor Helley, like we all know it, who 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 was at, you know amazing all season and um and uh you know he's got to find one of those games to pull through. And I feel like what Soroka did for the Islanders last game, um you know to force to get a game six. I think that he's going to do it in this situation here. Um, you know, obviously Vegas is the better team. We all have them, you know, going on top of Winnipeg. But, you know, Winnipeg is just one of those gritty teams. Um, yeah, they're not going to give up easily, obviously, right, Ben? So um, I think they definitely pull it out. I could definitely see this series at least going six. Uh, I think I got Winnipeg winning this next game on the road. Yeah, I actually took Winnipeg to push this to seven. And that was mostly because I just didn't trust Vegas's goaltending situation. I do, I will say, I do think that, uh, Vegas is going to take care of business. And I think that Winnipeg had all of the wind taken out of their sails in that game three loss at home. Uh, the Winnipeg whiteout to lose both of those games Mistake. is really hard to then turn around and go on the road. Now, to your point, though, Connor Hellebuck is the best goaltender in the West. He is. So mm-hmm. when he's out there, they have a chance. Same with Sorokin for the Islanders. Went on the road, stood on his head, got them a win. I think Hellebuck can do that. I'm just not so sure he will. Now, we're going to go back east, and we're going to talk about the series we were just kind of hinting at, and that's Florida and Boston. As we said, first period wrapping up there with Florida leading the Bruins 1-0. The Bruins have a 3-1 series lead, but taking tonight's first period aside so far, let's kind of hone in on what exactly Boston did 
down in Florida because they learned they were going to be without Patrice Bergeron, but they still went down to Florida and not only took care of business, but they did it very handedly as well. They dominated. <laughs> yes. yes, they did. <laughs> it's it, it was even close, Ben. I mean, it just like you could definitely see um, you know, the veteran status stepping up in this series, you know, and Boston proving that they are the best team that we've ever seen in the modern day era, right? You know, they they you know they went on the road, obviously, you know, Florida made it interesting. They tied the series in Boston, you know, they got two games at home. It seems like the momentum was shifting. Nah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and they literally went into went to Florida and they took care of business. And it was it wasn't even remotely close, in my opinion. I mean, I watched a little bit of, of both games and and it just seemed like Boston just had them around the throw the entire time. And um obviously Florida's leading right now, like you just said. Um, I think Florida might pull this one out. I think like I just like I said, it's continuous to the trends. Um, you know, they just obviously their backs against the wall, they're desperate. Um, but when it goes back to Boston again, um, you know, or or even back to Florida again, I just feel like Florida uh, Boston's gonna take care of business. I think it's gonna be over a set then, if not surprise if it happened tonight. Yeah, and that's the thing. Well, Florida can win game five you're not going to beat this Bruins team three games in a row. And that's the bigger issue. That's where you're going to run into problems. It's having you finding yourself in a position where you have to beat a team as good as the Bruins three times in a row. It's easy to forget though, that Florida is one year removed from winning the president's trophy. This Mm -hmm. is a team that was really good last year. I know it's a different coach and a different system, but once they learn that system that we saw what they did, they're really good. And I wouldn't put it past Florida, but again, I just don't see anybody, let alone the Florida Panthers, beating the Boston Bruins three games in a row. It's just too far out there. Let's shift west. We're going to head to another series out there. This is the Seattle Kraken Hmm. and the Colorado Avalanche. This is the series that I am probably the most intrigued with. And the one that I think has actually been the best i think that really the seattle kraken team has been fantastic to watch really exciting you can see that new energy that they have being in the postseason even though these players have been there uh but this organization you can really see it the fans have been awesome i was thinking to myself i mean the seattle seahawks have the 12th man there's no reason they're not going to show up for a hockey game and boy oh boy have they and they've been fantastic love seeing it But it is still a tied series. It's 2-2. Clearly, the goaltending is a problem for the Colorado Avalanche. I said I thought it would be an issue once they got to round two. I didn't think it would hang them up here for round one. But do you think goaltending might keep Colorado from getting past the Seattle Kraken? I think yeah, you have to say yes, right? It's like, uh, you know, first of all, I just got to say too, Ben, like I'm, I'm totally on board with you. I am like... The most intrigued and I'm I'm just like so invested now, obviously, except for the series that you know, obviously me and you are rooting for as fans. Like I'm so invested in the series because it's so cool. Like I said on previous podcasts, it's kind of like storylines, you know. Obviously, Colorado, they're trying to get back, uh, you know, to the promised land. They just pulled it off last year. And now Seattle is just this brand new franchise. They got to see what they're made of. And they um, and man, are they showing it, like you said. I mean, you know, I'm not surprised at all with that what we've seen in other fan bases in Seattle and what they've done for their other sports that they're showing up big and high for them uh, for their hockey team. So I think it's just awesome to see. Um, you know, and it's just very intriguing. I feel like it's like very easy 
even right now. And, and at the same time, like you said, it, goaltending is a big issue for Colorado. And then even on top of that, Ben, um, you know, Kale McCarr might not even play the next game, if I believe, if I'm not wrong, because of his hit on McCann. So um, so they're going to lose a big piece there. And, you know, they yeah, got goaltending on that. Yeah, so there you go. So um, thanks for breaking that news to me. I didn't see. I knew, there was, I knew they were talking about it, but I didn't know if it was confirmed. But, um, but yeah, so with that being said, too, that's just another big loss. The goaltending is holding them back. Seattle's definitely got a chance in this series, and I think it makes it even more entertaining because we know that Colorado can hold their own and the talent that they have, you know, despite all the, the miscues and everything that they're handling. Uh, but it's just really cool to see Seattle show up and actually compete in this series. It really is cool to see, and, you know, it's just exciting. I don't know. I feel like Vegas, I hated them so much when they joined because I felt like it was so unfair that they were as good as they were right off the bat when every other expansion team had to struggle. I guess Seattle not being as good in year one might have helped that, but I also think seeing just how much it does for the sport with Vegas being as good as they are and Vegas and Seattle having that excitement, I think that's warmed me up to the idea more and also, the Seattle Kraken jerseys are just so nice. I love seeing them on the ice. They're crisp, especially those road whites. So nice. But yes, Kale McCarr was suspended for game five. So he will miss that. He It was for that hit on uh, Jared McCann. It was called an interference penalty. Honestly, I'm surprised that he did not end up receiving a match penalty for this because that was clearly out of frustration. He did not need to make that hit. The puck wasn't there. I know he saw numbers, he saw his front, so it can't be boarding. That's why it's the interference call. But really a just not a smart play for Cal McCarr. You expect your stars to be better than that, and now he's going to have to sit. So one more thing going against the Colorado Avalanche. But again, nothing this team hasn't faced before. They've faced nothing but adversity since winning that Stanley Cup last year. So I'm not putting Colorado out of it just yet, but the goaltending is a huge, huge problem for me, and I don't see them getting much further than this round if it doesn't uh, improve. And not like it's, I expect it to make a vast improvement, but we saw in New Jersey one little goaltending change, and the young kid Akira Schmidt can come out there and, and win you some hockey games. So it's, it's amazing how every series, you know, goes back to the one that we love the most. Right. And it's just, <laughs> it's so, it's, well, that's, I think we're just making we're just going to make it a point in this episode exactly. to bring everything back to Jersey. Right. <laughs> so we are going to head back East and we're going to go to maybe the series that's the most talked about. And it's because it's Toronto versus Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay lightning went out and stunned Toronto. Last time we talked, we were saying, Oh, Toronto going to Toronto. Now, to defend us, we did say the series is clearly not over. We expected Toronto to respond in Game 2, and they did exactly that. Now, not only did they respond in Game 2, but they went, came back, and scored in the final minute to send Game 3 to overtime and then win. And then down 4-1 to in the last 11 minutes of regulation, they're able to tie the game up and then win it in overtime again. Andre Vasilevsky has been just peppered with shots tons of traffic in front this toronto team is pretty much saying we know you have andre vasilevsky but we don't care we have tons of talent and we are going to will the puck past you no i understand ben it is um it is it's got to be say it's shocking to say the least you know obviously we know Vasilevsky. i can't even say his name correctly you know me and my names 
Uh, but him, him in, in, in net is obviously, you know, in the playoffs, especially he's a whole different breed. I mean, we saw it the last five years. He is part of the dynasty and, and why, um, you know, why Tampa Bay has been on top. Right. So it, it is crazy to see what Toronto's doing here. And let me just ask you, Ben, right. Wouldn't it just be crazy? Cause what we're seeing Toronto do right now, obviously we're, it's not the norm, you know, we're not used to uh, Toronto, you know, excelling, especially under adversity, coming back, winning in overtime and obviously taking a series lead like this. I mean, we have seen them blow three, uh, three, one lead series before. So, um, you know, would it not shock you if Tampa Bay came back and, and won the series? It would not surprise me one bit because as much as we said that game one loss for Toronto was Toronto, blowing 3-1 leads is Toronto. And it's it's just what Toronto does all the time. They end up blowing leads in games, blowing series leads. Now, again, the thing with Toronto is this is the most talented group that they have put out there you have to believe that they're going to go out there and get this done they have to be able to win one of the next three games if not game five at home if you're coming home for game five after winning two on the road and you're the toronto maple leafs you got to just take care of business in the tampa bay lightning when you can I was going to say, Ben, like, do you believe, too? Because it's honestly what I believe. Do you feel like it's crazy to think that at game five when you're up 3-1 in the series, do you think this is a must win for Toronto? Because I do. Because, obviously, if Tampa pulls out a win on the road, um, you know, it goes back to Tampa again, obviously, as you see, and then the pressure is on. So I just I just think, like, especially when we know Toronto's history and, and everything like that, because it's not a myth for how long that it's been, um, do you think this this game is a must win in game uh, game five? No. And the reason why is because I think that you need, if you are Toronto, you need to not put any pressure on yourselves, if possible. Least amount of pressure. You have three games to go get one. That's how you have to look at it. Don't look at it as must win, but look at it as let's go out there, finish it, take care of business, and get ready for Boston. Because that's that's really the mo that's what you're going to end up playing i know boston hasn't got past florida yet and i know toronto still hasn't got past tampa but go out there just get one more win and on to the next one you can't go in here and say to yourself we have to take care of business at home we can't let tampa get any more life because once you start thinking like that that's when toronto's going to walk into their mistakes that's when they're going to end up squeezing the sticks a little bit tighter and missing the net i think that if you are the Toronto Maple Leafs and you are a coach there, if you're a fan, if you're a part of management, the biggest thing you need to do and say to these guys is, we're, we're good, we're in good shape, let's just keep it going. You want to know how I know Toronto is, uh, you know, kind of – like they know that they got this series in hand and things are different. Michael Bunting's uh, suspension was obviously concluded, you know, after last game. Um, and now they don't even think they're going to play him next game. Like, why wouldn't you want Michael Bunting in a lineup, you know, to get things done right away? Um, you know, I think it's kind of like a discipline thing. Like you got the suspension. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of great on the coaching part because it's like, Oh, if you want to be part of this lineup, you got to earn it again. Um, and uh, you know, they feel like they're going to take care of business and there's going to be games in the future for Bunting to come back. So I kind of like that. Cause that's, I feel like that's different, especially, Especially, you know, if they felt like their backs were against the wall, despite being up 3-1 because of their history, they'd know that they're going to get things done. And, and, you know, they're trying to discipline their players on the way of doing that, too. Yeah, and I think the big thing there is not overreacting, not sacrificing, you know, discipline and 
that part of the game and that part of your organization for a game five in a playoff game, you know, not sacrificing your morals, not sacrificing your principles. And Toronto, I think really the big thing with this decision is the fact that they've gone out there and won games without Michael Bunting. So why do you need him in there if he's just going to take stupid penalties? I think that's where Sheldon Keefe's thinking is going to be. I do agree. I think Bunting will draw back into the lineup sooner than later. Uh, all it's going to take is one bad game for Toronto, and Michael Bunting will be right back in there. But let's go on. Next series as we head to the West once again for Los Angeles versus Edmonton. Now, you want to talk about a series of just a tale of like four teams? It's this series. Which team for Los Angeles shows up? Which team for Edmonton shows up? For Edmonton, it's period by period. For Los Angeles, they're a little bit more consistent, but they were atrocious at the after the first period in game number four. And, I mean, this is a team that fell apart in game two. They were not able to put it together for a to complete game number four and end up uh, taking a 3-1 series lead over Edmonton. Instead, the Oilers go out. They have just been awesome. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, elevating their game to new heights. It's what you expect and what you want to see out of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, 100%, Ben. I mean, uh, I am not surprised at all by the way this series is going. Obviously, I had the Kings pulling out this series, and it looks like a couple of games that, you know, that prediction is reasonable. You know, the Kings, like I said, the defensive pairing, uh, uh, you know, Mikey Anderson and – and uh and and that pairing, they you know, like it, it did slow down Edmonton to an ex, an extent. So it just feels like that the Kings definitely are competitive. They got the talent to do it, and they proved it in most of their games. And and then at the same time, we move over to Edmonton. You know, it is exactly what we thought we were going to see. You know, obviously Connor McDavid is the greatest player in our modern era, and he is just showing up every single night and every single game and doing this thing. But obviously, the X factor for me is Drysaddle, man. Leo Drysaddle, he averaged two points. Um, you know, in every playoff game. You know, since he's got to the playoffs with Edmonton, like that is an absurd stat. That means he shows up night in and night out, and he elevates this team to be better and be great. Um, so. I think obviously, you know, I had the Kings to, to pull out this series um, and win. Um, and I still think that they can obviously compete to do so. But, you know, the way that Edmonton has played, especially the last two games, I feel like they're finally clicking it and starting to show it and put it together. Um, I think Edmonton is going to pull out this game. I think they're going to finish business on the road um, and, and get it done. I agree. I think Edmonton finishes this off in six. They're just too good. Edmonton is too good. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, they're disgusting. And the talent around them is no slouch either. This is a loaded roster, a lot more defense. I know Tom has pointed it out a bunch. They He likes the moves that they made to get more defensive-minded. The fact that they play seven defensemen and still go out there and score a boatload of goals every game. This is a really, really good Edmonton team. In that game five, I believe it was five goals scored in the first period. It was three to two Edmonton after the first period. They end up winning the game six to three. So once again, Los Angeles just not showing up after the first period. And really, they didn't show up for most, much of that first period either. But the a couple mistakes for Edmonton were able to keep the Kings in the game for the time being. Uh, eventually, Corpusala was pulled for Phoenix Copley as he earned his uh, spot and earned some minutes in the postseason. So good on him. But it does look like Edmonton's going to finish that one off. Now, we're going to stay in the West here because we'll finish things off with our favorite series. 
Dallas, Minnesota, the stars, Mikey, I'm just going to let you run with this because (laughs) you've been on the stars longer than any of us. I I was saying before the playoffs started, I thought they were the most complete team, but Mikey D tell us what you think about your Dallas stars. Yeah. Put some respect on my name. No, I'm just joking. Obviously I, I, it is just, this team, like you said, they're they're probably the most complete team, you know, that you could argue, especially in the West. So it, it's um it is very intriguing and it's very awesome to see, you know, especially the last game that they put together, you know, Jake Ottinger and then obviously, you know, how well he played in game five. They just shut out Minnesota and, and Minnesota, you know, I, like I told you right before we got on here. You know, I feel like if they had a different matchup, it would they obviously would compete in the series would be a lot better, you know, for the talent that they have and everything like that. Um, I feel like Minnesota actually had their chances in the first two games and uh, obviously they competed and they made the series tied at one point. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Dallas is just too much to handle. They got too much star power and we saw it last game. And, uh, you know, obviously Dallas is got that 3-2 lead now and obviously you know going into game six you know they're going to get things done I think it's over from here I think Minnesota gave it their best shot uh, but Dallas is just one of those teams that's way too talented they're despite how good everyone knows they are I feel like they are kind of a dark horse to an extent uh, extent for for the West because you know uh, you know like you said before Ben like you know obviously I was high on them but not everybody was high on them you know so I just feel like they're kind of like a dark horse in that West and they are going to to go on a run and it starts here and it proved how dominant they were just last game and they'll get this series done the next game in game six yeah I think that Dallas they have the goaltending Ottinger was able to pitch the shutout the other night they have the offense they have the defense what's there not to like now I do want to touch on Minnesota because I feel like for the wild it's easy to write them off but they've had some really good games in this series yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, it, it, like they definitely compete, and like I said, they definitely got that star, that star power. And I know that when Tom's not here, but you know, you know how much he loved Minnesota and how much talent they put on the ice, and they do. Um, you know, they had a, you know, they had a lot of legacy games for a lot of their talented players in those first two games. Um, and it shows, and it's just, uh, it just, they just didn't need their stars to be consistent, but that's hard in the playoffs. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you need the same guys to show up every night. I mean, the only team that we've really seen do that in this playoffs so far has obviously has been Edmonton, you know, where their stars show up literally every single night. It's a full team effort. And, uh, and Minnesota, besides a couple of their stars don't have, you know, those kind of guys, especially like Dallas does, um, you know, to get it done outside of their stars in that star room. So, um, you know, I, I definitely got to give my props to Minnesota. They definitely can still compete for the series and you know, I could completely be wrong but I just feel like Dallas is like a juggernaut right now um in this series alone and I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna end next game yeah I think that Dallas the big thing with them is they're just the better team not to say anything against Minnesota they're a strong club tough matchup in the first round and you know it's one of those things that happens I don't think it's out of the question for Minnesota to come back because I think they have the talent offensively to do so The problem is they just have to put it together, and we haven't seen it. Um, It hasn't been consistent. It's been for spurts, and really the games that they have won in this series have been low-scoring games where they've gone out and won the defensive battle. Minnesota can do it. It just doesn't seem very likely. Now, on to the last series to discuss. Devils and Rangers. The Devils went down two games to none after losing both games at home at the Rock. They go into the Garden and take two from the Rangers. Now, the Rangers spanked the Devils the first two games. I believe both were 5-1 finals. Then they turn around, go to MSG, win 2-1 in overtime, and then 3-1. Talk about a complete script flip. 
Mike, what are your thoughts on games three and four versus games one and two? And how has your feeling as a Devils fan changed? I mean, obviously, it obviously it's changed. You know, I it, you know it kind of sucks, Ben, to an extent. You know, I'm gonna just be honest with you because you know after game one and two, it's like, you know what, the Devils maybe they're just not ready. You know, it just it, it feels it felt like the series was over. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I thought this series was just gonna go four or five games. Um, after what I saw the first two games, like that's how one sided it was and how dominant the Rangers looked. You know, it did they just you know experience you know told the tale. Like you know they definitely looked like the you know the better team by far. Even though we saw in the regular season the Devils competed, but regular season doesn't matter in the playoffs. Did you get the playoffs? It's a whole different world. It's a whole different game. So um, you know, it just looked like the Devils were not ready. But man, um. You know, Lindy saw some changes had to be made, and in games three and four, and God had made it different. Uh, Kier Schmid ha- is 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 literally younger than us, Ben, by a couple of years, and man, does that guy look composed in net? It is crazy. You know, obviously Vitek Vanacek. You know, he was our guy for the majority of the year, but Schmidt has came in in big moments and big games in our regular season, and he has showed up in net. And and and, uh, and obviously, you know, Lindy, you know, thought it was time to make a change, and the change was correct. You know, Schmidt looked so composed, especially to go in an arena where the Rangers were 8-2 and two last season in the postseason, and, you know, has the most experience, has one of the best, uh, you know, I don't know about the best, you know, but but uh, obviously has one of the loudest and craziest fan bases to deal with in the greatest arena in the world. You know, it is, it, it literally was crazy by Schmidt to, you know, to be composed like that. And he was fantastic. Um, and the Devils turned around their game plan. Obviously, you know, the game plan in, in uh, game two where uh, Brendan Smith had to come in. I didn't understand why, you know, Lindy did that, where they scratched Singadar, who was their, you know, number one graded defensive guy in the in game one. And in game two, they honestly underperformed worse than they did in game one, despite the same scores. But, you know, that was just a weird move. And then, um, and then game three and four, he decided to scratch Smith and then, and, uh, put the Singadar back in. And obviously, we saw a great of a game. Singadar had a game four. And then one of the biggest moves was Miles Wood. You know, obviously, you know, I love Miles Wood. And if the Devils were to do anything, obviously, and make it, and, and you know, he has a chance to hold the cup, I'd be very happy for him. He's been a part of this team for a long time. Uh, but at the same time, this year, it just hasn't been his year. Um, and putting Lazar in and his, his experience um, has been, you know, another tale, uh, you know, another story tale when it comes to, you know, he just looked so much, you know, it, it was, I was telling, I was telling the other devil fans too, you know, that I'm friends with that. It looked wild that Lazard looked more comfortable and has been on the team longer than Miles Wood has this year. I don't know if you want to agree with me, Ben, but, but yeah, it, obviously like I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on, but it looked, it obviously has been two different teams that have showed up for the devils in games one and two and games three and four. And, and obviously it's awesome to see. We finally have a series that we deserve to see. Um, and it's not just a runaway by, by one of the teams. Yeah. I actually believe that Curtis Lazar, I know Akira Schmid has been a huge impact and he's going to get a lot of the talk. I think Lazar has actually had the biggest impact because of what he's been on the penalty kill and his veteran presence. This is a guy who's gone out and played in a number of playoff games. He has playoff experience. He has more of a scoring touch and nothing against Miles Wood. But Lazar, the toughness is a bigger part of his game. He knows how to do it more than Miles Wood. Miles Wood has been a grinder, forced to be the tough guy on a team full of small, fast guys. Now you bring Lazar in, you add that edge. I believe the Devils out-hit the Rangers in games three and four. And it's it's shocking to see the Devils go out there and win the physical game. And that's what they did in one in games three and four. Now, I think the biggest change 
and difference in the Devils game has been their ability to slow the Rangers down, believe it or not, in transition. It's been the Rangers transition game in games one and two that was giving the Devils fits. The Devils were able to slow them down, but here's where I'm uneasy as a Devils fan. Let's be honest with ourselves here, Mike. We can feel as good as we want about this series. If the Rangers don't miss on half of empty nets that they missed in games three and four, the series is over. Yeah, They've had 100%. plenty of empty nets to hit. Their top guys, Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin, have still yet to really get going. I know Fox had the six assists through the first uh, two games, but he hasn't. He didn't really do much the last two games. And really, when Adam Fox isn't on the ice, that's when this Rangers transition game has been taking a hit. Fox is the key for the Devils to stop, keep holding him down, and again, keep trying to put the pressure on. The reason why the Rangers have been missing these open nets is because they've been feeling more pressure. They've been forced to shoot the puck quicker. They're not able to just stand, find their spot, and shoot. The Devils are putting more pressure on, so you have to give credit where credit's due. But I really do think that as good as you can feel about this Devils series so far, they really need to go out there and put together a good game in game five because the Rangers still have had their opportunities in games three and four. Whereas the devils on the other hand in games one and two, they didn't really have too many opportunities. So it does still feel like the window is open a little bit bigger for the Rangers in my opinion. Yeah, no, I understand. And you're, and you're totally right, Ben, because like, obviously, you know, we're both devil fans. We should be really pumped that this series is tied. And, and obviously I am. Obviously I'm, I'm happy that I have a, more of a series to look to, a best of three to look forward to, right? Instead of, you know, uh, you know, being our backs against the wall and the series being over the next game, right? Um, But, you know, it, like I told like I was trying to say before, like now I feel like I'm more invested in this series. And I think that's more miserable than if it was just a blowout like it was. <laughs> because, you know, when you get your feelings more into it, obviously, you know, the end, the end of it could be even a hundred times more thrilling or a hundred times more depressing. Right. So, um, you know, I, but you're, you're a hundred percent right when it comes to the Rangers, obviously I'm not, I, I can't take away any credit because you're right, because especially in game three alone, uh, you know, there were so many empty nets and, and uh, you know, opportunities for the Rangers to close that game and they did it. Um, and I think the only thing that makes me kind of comfortable about the devils, they went into a hostile environment um, you know, and they won the close games, you know, obviously games one and two, you know, it, it kind of was no shot there. It is what it is. Um, but in games three and four, they had to compete until, you know, until the final final buzzer went off and you know they got it done. So I think this what kind of makes me, you know, a little confident, but at the same time, I can't discredit this Rangers team. They are so very good. I um, mean, all it takes is for them to show up again at the rock, like they did the first two times on Thursday and they can, uh, you know, definitely put the series out of hand again. Yeah. And another thing to feel comfortable about, if you're a devil's fan, we haven't even said his name, Jack Hughes. Amazing. How awesome has Jack Hughes been? I mean, he's, he he's just, everything. just saying his name puts a smile on my face. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's amazing because you know it's it's one of those guys, and we know for years to come, you know, we thought you know you know we and all the all these people, especially you know the biggest chirps and this rivalry, be like, oh, like Capocaco and Lafreniere has more points than Jack Hughes has in the playoffs because obviously Jack Hughes hasn't been to the playoffs yet. So that's one of the biggest chirps that I've heard. Um, and now we get to go into the playoffs against them, and Jack Hughes has been putting out a clinic and has been awesome, like he has been, you know, since we got him, and and it makes me confident, not even just for this series and whatever happens happens, obviously but for the future and what comes because you know as long as we have him we're gonna have a chance and it's so cool to see exactly just like the rangers as long as they have igor the devils as long as we have jack hughes and it has been so much fun to watch him 
not only, you know, play in the playoffs, but show that he can elevate his game too, like the dry sidles and the McDavid's. It's really just so exciting to see star players like that go out there and play. Now we are going to wrap things up here. We will have another podcast out next week. We'll hope to have the full team back. I'm not sure when Tom's getting back from Italy, so we will uh, revisit and get on that. Mike, you know when he's back? He said that he will be back for game seven of the series if there is one. So I don't know if that, All right. that'd be, so that'd yeah, that be means, by next week. That <laughs> means Tom will be back for next week. So that's good to hear. Tom, we hope you're enjoying in Italy. We know you're listening. Sure. Um, we hope, we'll hope we, we got your approval here. I know we didn't really talk too much about the Rangers, but we do appreciate everyone listening into the podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Outsider Sports 3. Find us on Instagram as well at Outsider Sports. Find us on YouTube and TikTok by searching Outsider Sports and check out our website, outsidersports.net, for blogs on football, hockey, and baseball. We have our mock draft up there as well, so make sure you go check it out for football. Until next week, we will see and we'll have more playoff content coming in between them.